the Lord is asking the disciples, because uh, they came to him and said, Lord, uh, uh, would you do whatever we ask of you? Uh, you know, it's, uh, that's a very uh, loaded question, right? Uh, if you're wise, you'll say, well, I need to know what it is first, right? Because that's what Jesus said. He said, what, what would you that I should do for you, right? He didn't say, yeah, sure. And then say, well, I want, I want you to give me your firstborn child or something, and then, then, you know, then you're stuck, right? But, uh, 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 and so he said, what do you want me to do for you? Of course, they said, well, we want to sit on your right hand and left hand. And Jesus' answer was interesting. He said, uh, that's not mine to give. So you think about, you know, here's a question. And we know that 2 Corinthians 1.20 says that all the promises of God are in him, yes, and in him, amen, under the glory of God by us. But, you know, if you ask for something that's not a promise, then that, that may be something that the Lord can't do for you. Uh, and here, he never promised that he would give uh, anybody to ask the, that position to sit on his right hand and left hand. In fact, he said, that's not even mine to give. That's given by the Father, right? Uh, and so, so that case, the Lord said uh, he wasn't able to do that because they, they were outside of his will. Because we know that uh, 1 John 5, 14, it says, what, whatever you ask, according to his will, he hears you. And if you know he hears you, then you know that you have the petitions wherever you ask. So, uh, you know, the Bible promises that the Lord will always answer yes. But the, the question has to be in line with his will. If the question is in line with his will, then the answer is always yes. But if the question is outside of his will, then, you know, really, uh, according to 1 John 5, 14, he doesn't even hear you. He, you know, he, uh, whatsoever things you ask according to his will, he hears you. So, of course, a lot of times people say, well, God told me no. Well, you know, let's back up to the question, right? Uh, the Lord never answers no if it's a question that's a promise in the word. Amen. So is healing in the word? Healing's in the word. So uh, the answer for whether or not God will heal you every single time without exception is yes, right? Uh, will the Lord pr provide for you? Will the Lord take care of you? Will the Lord deliver you? All of those are promises every single time. No exceptions. The answer is always yes. Uh, and so, uh, it, of course, we're not going to go into all the teaching of that. We've talked about that many times. But uh, I want the, the, the point I want to get to is just down here, just a few more verses in the same chapter there down uh there was a blind man who came to jesus and, and jesus asked him a question he said uh, what what will you that i should do unto you basically the exact same question that that he asked the disciples you know what is it that you want me to do for you uh in this case uh, it was a blind man uh, bartimaeus uh, and he said lord that i may receive my sight now see healing all the way back you know the promise first promise for healing first promise for healing was exodus fifteen twenty six. right i am the lord that healeth thee so that promise was in the word of God. That promise was given to the covenant children of Israel. Uh, and so this man asked for, a, asked for something that was in line with the promises of God. And what was the response of Jesus? He said, go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. So I thought that was a pretty good contrast. Same exact question that Jesus asked two different people. What do you want me to do for you? One of them asked for something that was outside of his will, and he was unable. He said, it's not mine to give. I'm unable to do that. Uh, and then the other one uh, asked for something within his will. Oh, no problem. We've got it taken care of. Amen. So you never find, uh, in, in fact, it's pretty rare that people even ask for things they don't receive uh, in the word of God. But anytime they don't receive it, if you'll go and look up the question, the question is always outside of his will. There's never a question somebody asks of the Lord to, to receive something that was inside of his will that they did not get it, amen? Uh, and so that should help us in our prayer life and our asking uh, 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 with the Lord, amen? Uh, and so, in fact, for my kids, I've always tried to teach them, uh, it, it's really important how you ask, right, and what you ask for. And if you ask correctly, 
then, uh, you know, you could ask my kids how many times we've had to tell them no over the years. And it's probably on one hand. And the only time that we ever told them no was when they were asking, you know, out of selfishness or out of greed or, you know, things that we couldn't do. Like, hey, can we skip church for a month and go do nothing? And, uh, you know, and of course, they didn't do that but one time. But uh, they didn't really ask for a month. But they did on occasion when asked to go do something with friends on a church night. Uh, and so... Uh, uh, but it was pretty rare, right? And after we told them uh, and, and explained to the, them about the, the reason for that, then they didn't do that, you know, even a second time. So, so that's a pretty good contrast, amen? And, and really, uh, according to the Word of God, you have the right to ask of the Lord whatever it is that you need and want in life. And as long as it fits within the constraints of the Word of God, uh, then the answer is always yes, amen? Uh, and, uh, of course, uh, sometimes we get in a lot of trouble for even saying that, but you know, I didn't write the Word of God. My job is just to read it and follow it uh, precisely. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, but I think that's a great uh, contrast. It's a good, in, uh, it's a good, uh, uh, I think the Lord intentionally wrote those two stories together like that in the Word of God here so we could compare and contrast those two things. And uh, how many times have you read Mark chapter 10? I mean, I can't tell you how many times, I've read, but I've never seen that particular contrast like that. So, Anyway, praise God. Well, the Lord is good. Uh, why don't we stand and greet each other for just a minute, and we'll get into praise and worship. We appreciate his goodness and kindness. Amen. All the wonderful things he's done for us. Um, uh, I meant to also mention, too, on, um, uh, on our website. So uh, if you go to our website, it's DaytonWOT.org. Uh, we have a, a resource tab on the on the website there if you go to that uh, area in the website we uploaded a, a couple of files yesterday um, uh, brother Hagen wrote this book called in him many years ago I think it originally was printed in 1975 and it's just a little mini book he, he put uh, together several mini books uh, but the the purpose of the book was just to encourage you about who you are in the Lord what he's done for you to remind yourself that you're a child of God that uh, you know a king died for you uh, and, you know, a lot of times in our lives uh, as Christians, you know, we have thoughts of inadequacy and unworthiness and, you know, no count, you know, sorriness. And sometimes people help you feel that way, too. Right. Or aren't you the sorriest thing that ever existed? Uh, you ever had people encourage you about how sorry you are? Right. Look at you. You know, all the things you've done wrong. Uh, well, you're just like the devil. He, he remind, remind, reminds me of all the things I've done wrong, too. Right. Uh, of course, you could say that they won't win you a lot of friends, but. Um, uh, but, you know, uh, but even even without the help of people, uh, usually we can do a good job all by ourselves about uh, feeling uh, like we're sorry. No count. Lord, I just I'm just the worst person. And if you listen to a lot of Christian music, about half Christian music is, Lord, I'm sorry. No count. You know, I know you love me anyway. Well, you know, you could just straighten up every now and then. Right. It'd be OK to live right for more than a day or two. Uh, but, uh, you know, in that, you know, we should never feel that way. We should never feel uh, unworthy uh, because. Uh, didn't Jesus die for you? You know, what, what's Jesus's position? He's the son of the most high God, right? He's a king and not just a king, but the king of kings. Isn't he the Lord? He's not just a Lord. He's the Lord of Lords. And he died for you. You know, that should just make you feel bubbly and warm on the inside, right? Uh, but, you know, sometimes we don't feel that way. And, uh, you know, the, the best solution to that uh, is go find a therapist, go pay $200 an hour and let him talk to you about how your mama treated you, right? Is that... Is that Nothing wrong with, you know, and, you know, as part of the medical profession, I, I'm not part of the medical profession, but they are real therapists are part of the medical profession. and They do help people. Right. But that's not the best long term goal. The best long term goal, uh, the best long term solution for you is to learn who you are in the Lord. 
And so Brother Hagin put that book out, and in the book he, he included a couple hundred uh, biblical references. He just had the, the Bible reference there, you know, uh, John whatever and, you know, Matthew whatever. And so several years ago, uh, we took those, all those verse references and we printed out the actual text of the verse. I like when I, when I have a lot of verses like that, I like to print out the whole text of the verse. Uh, and so and we've had that on the book table for many years and it's always been real popular. And I always encourage people, if you, if you feel that way, if you feel inadequate or feel like you're not worthy, uh, get a copy of that. And actually, at this very moment, there's none on the back book table, so I'm, I'm selling something that's not even there. Of course, it's free, you know, we don't charge you for that. Uh, but uh, we'll get some copies made. Uh, but then along the way, uh, we took those same 200 verses and then we compared them in about 225 different translations. And so for every verse, we went through and compared all of those, kind of like what we did with the, with the healing book. And um, uh, then we took the best of those. And so uh, if you do the multiplication, there's about 40,000 verses that we had to read to, to do that. And then, we, of course, we narrowed it down to the best ones of that. Uh, and so the result of that is just a, a free download on our website that just read it. You know, if, if you print it out, it's about 128 pages. Uh, and it's not really something that's, that's intended for you to sit down and read cover to cover. It's something that you it's a reference. You just go and read a few verses uh, every now and then just encourage you. And and so they'll have the King James Version and I'll have the other translations that that kind of help bring out the best parts of that verse there. And so just a real good resource. And um, we will we'll get some print some copies printed uh, for you guys, and they won't co- we won't charge you anything. They'll just be there on the back book table. But uh, you know, the best solution to any kind of problems that you have is always the Word of God. Uh, and uh, and the the vast majority of that book is just Bible verses, right? They're not a lot of teaching. Every now and then, there'll be a little uh, little confession that you can add to it. But it's just Bible verses. And if you'll read them, uh, and I can guarantee you, if you read it cover to cover, at the end of that uh, reading of that, you will not feel like you're inadequate, sorry, no count, worthless, of no value on the earth. Uh, you will feel like a king died for me. I must be somebody special. Uh, blood was shed for me. I must, be, I must be really important that God sent his very own son into the earth for me, right? Because uh, I like the, the verse there in Hebrews. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and despised the shame. Uh, and, you know, I've heard people say, well, the joy that was set before him, he's going to get a throne. He's going to get a crown, you know. I, you know, that'd be really, you know, that just wouldn't be like Jesus at all to think about what's in it for him. You know, I mean, can you imagine Jesus going, yep, I get, I get through all these, all, all these terrible things and I'm going to get me a brand new shiny throne. Uh, you think that's what he was thinking of? No, the joy that was set before him was you. It was me. He's thinking, you know, just knowing that someday that person gets to come and spend eternity with me, that just brings joy to my, as I'm on the cross, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. He's on the cross and, and, and full of joy because, yeah, he's in pain and he's in shame. But he says he despised the shame. Why, is, why do you despise the shame? It's like, this, I, I get to put up a little bit of shame so they get to go to heaven with me? Not a problem. Bring it on, right? Uh, and so he thought about you. He thought about me when he's on the cross. And that brought joy to his life. Uh, and, and, you know, I just, it, it always grieves my heart when I see Christians who feel inadequate. Because along the way, people have told them that they're inadequate. You know, spouses have told them they're inadequate. Teachers have told them they're inadequate. Parents have told them they're inadequate. Many times you can do it all by yourself, right? You ever just uh, been driving down the road and all of a sudden you just feel like, man, I'm worthless? Uh, you know, sometimes it's just all by yourself. No, you can do that, you know? And so uh, read those verses. Read, read, uh, read that material. It's just Bible verses, right? Uh, but it, they'll encourage you, amen? And they'll encourage you to get to a point where you don't feel just uh, worthless because... 
You know, I've had plenty of people really try over the years to tell me how sorry, no count I am. You know, experts have tried to do it, you know, and, and many times I'll let them do it. But it'd be really hard for me to, to let anybody uh, do that to me anymore because I know who I am in the Lord. I'm a child of the living God. Uh, how, you know, what could you possibly say to me that would diminish that? Amen. Uh, a king shed blood for me. What could you possibly say about me that would make me feel less than that? Amen. Uh, and so it, it just really uh, it's just really hard for anybody to ever make me feel bad anymore because I know who I am in the Lord. Amen. I'm uh, in and of myself. I know I'm of no value. I mean, I have earned nothing, uh, but but I have been given everything. Uh, and that just makes me feel kind of warm and fuzzy on the inside. Amen. And so that's just a resource there for you guys. It's just uh, it'll be a blessing to you. And as always, you know, putting that information together is is as much of a blessing for us as uh, just doing it, just doing the work of that. Because uh, it took, uh, well, it probably took a couple years to put that together. Because uh, that's a lot of verses, right? 40,000 verses, that's more than the whole Bible, right? The whole Bible's only got 31,000 verses in it. Uh, and so, so, uh, so last week we finished up uh, our, our teaching on not fainting, amen? Uh, and uh, you ever fainted in your life? I don't mean physically, but just mentally where you just, I gave it up. I just can't take it anymore, right? Uh, and, um, uh, you know, I told you when I was growing up, uh, we always waited till we heard my mom say, I've had it up to here. Right. So I don't know where here was, but wherever here was, it was bad. Right. Now, if she only had it up to here, we're good. But if she had it up to here, we're bad. Right. And so we always waited until we found out that she was up to here and then we'd all run. Right. Uh, and so but up to here is where she fainted. You know, she couldn't take it anymore. And that was it. Right. Uh, and uh, you ever said that? I just can't take it anymore. Well, see, that's at the point of fainting, right? Uh, well, uh, you know, uh, if you didn't get the chance to hear all those messages, they're all online. You can watch them either on video or listen to them on podcast, and all that's available for you. Uh, and I would encourage you, especially if there's any particular messages that are really helpful to you, go and listen, uh, go back and listen to them. Of course, you can order the CD. I'm not trying to sell any, none of this stuff is, we're charging for any of this stuff, right? I'm, I'm just, uh, I want to be a blessing to you all to help you get the Word of God, because the Word of God will change your life. Amen. And so we finished up that, and, and um, uh, we're going to start teaching on, on the anointing. And this is a, a topic that, uh, you know, I was going back, and, and I've never taught on this topic. In fact, I've been teaching since 1995 and pastoring for the last uh, 11 years, almost 12 years. Uh, and uh, so thousands of messages, never taught on the anointing. And it's just an area that, that you know, the, uh, my desire is to teach it, but at the same time, it's such a precious topic uh, and it's such an area of misunderstanding in the body of Christ that there's some hesitancy in my heart to do it only because so many times people will hear that and they'll be like, whatever, you know, that's some crazy people, right? Uh, and they'll just kind of, you know, slough off that whole topic. And yet it's, it's, it's really one of the most important topics you can learn about after your salvation uh, because it's, uh, we're going to go and find out why that is as we read what the Word of God says about it. Uh, and so... Uh, you know, in the Pentecostal world, uh, the anointing is, is a fairly well-known topic, but there's a lot of misunderstanding about it, a lot of carnality related around it, a lot of emotionalism around it. And so it, it kind of gets a bad, a bad rap uh, in the Pentecostal world. And people out from outside the Pentecostal world will look at that and go, you know, that's some crazy people. And, uh, and yet, uh, like I said, it's one of the most important topics you could learn about uh, in your Christian life. Uh, and so we want to go through the Word of God, find out what the Word of God says about that, get our faith built upon the foundation of the Word, 
and, and kind of remove some of the sensationalism around it. There's a lot of, you know, uh, just, uh, um, well, that's probably the best word, sensationalism around the topic of the anointing and um, a lot of misuse of the anointing and, and a lot of things that people say of the anointing. It's really not the anointing. So I think it'd be good to, to go through the Word of God, and the Word of God has a lot to say about that topic. So anytime that the Word of God has a lot to say about a topic, it would seem like it'd be something that we as the children of God would want to study, right? If he spent a lot of time talking about it, seems like we'd want to spend some time studying it, amen? Uh, you know, I think there's only one verse in the Bible that talks about how long your hair is, and yet how many people have, have just fussed about how long your hair is, right? Well, if only one verse out of 31,000 is talked about how long your hair is, it seems like that'd be a pretty minor topic to talk about right uh, and yet uh, if the verse ha has got dozens and, and maybe even hundreds of verses about the anointing I haven't really counted them but I know there's dozens of them seems like that would be something we want to give weight to right something we'd want to look at and find out what it says and uh, because uh, the anointing is really what separates the church from all the the rotary clubs and all the JC clubs and all the moose lodges of the world right uh, all the natural organizations that are just there, you know, doing some help to humanity. But there's no power of God in those groups. And I'm not against them. You know, I'm fine for what they do. In fact, uh, you may not know it or not, but you are looking at a recipient of a Moose Lodge scholarship when I graduated high school. Right. Uh, I didn't even know there was a Moose Lodge. Right. But there is. And they give scholarships to to poor, smart children. Uh, and so I was a poor, smart child, and so they gave me a scholarship. And so, I, you know, I have no idea who these people were, but, you know, uh, money's money, right? So, uh, so we're not against those groups and organizations. Whatever they do, you know, as long as it's not ungodly, uh, you know, I don't care. Uh, but, you know, if you look at the history of the church, in many areas, the church has become just a social organization, just a, an organization to feed people and put clothes on people, uh, and, and no power, right? No, no significant power to go beyond just the natural realm. Uh, and yet uh, uh, the whole design of the church by the Lord Jesus himself is that the church is supposed to be a group of people with supernatural miracle working power. In fact, if you remember uh, at the end of the book of Luke, when Jesus was talking to the disciples before he went to heaven, he said, go and tarry in Jerusalem until what? Until you're endued with power. Right. Endued with that word power. There's dunamis. It's the supernatural miracle work and power of God. He said, don't go anywhere. Don't do anything until you have the supernatural miracle work and power of God. Now, for some folks that that just the topic itself makes them kind of nervous. But, you know, it should never make you nervous. The, 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 the spirit of God should never make you nervous. Amen. Uh, in fact, you know, we just got down with praise and worship. And, and uh, uh, surely we all sense the presence of God. Right. Surely we all sense just the sweet presence of God as we worshiped him. Right. Because he says he inhabits the praises of his people. And, and it's just that same presence that's really the same thing as the anointing of God. Uh, and so it doesn't have to be crazy and wild and swinging from chandeliers and, you know, quivering on the floor. And, uh, and, and I'm not opposed to really a lot of things. Uh, you know, I don't put any constraints on the Lord about what he does. But. Um, uh, uh, you know, some of those things have been just carnality, not actual spirit there. But, you know, when Jesus ministered, he did a lot of kind of odd things, right? You remember he spit on somebody to heal, to heal their eyes, right? But if it had been nowadays, somebody would be coming up behind him with a bottle of, you know, disinfecting, you know, squirting, the, you know, hey, let me get all the germs off you. I mean, I can't believe you smeared spit on you. Wow, you know, you get the baby wipes and clean them all up right there and, you know, give them a shot of tetanus or something and, uh, you know, 
uh, I can't believe he did that. You know, can, can you imagine somebody spitting on somebody today in a prayer line? I mean, they'd have all the COVID police here, you know, and you'd have to, you know, be quarantined for two weeks. You know, I heard he spit on you. Yeah, yeah, you got to be quarantined, you know. And uh, I mean, it'd be just think about the sensationalism of that, right? I can't believe he spit on somebody. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth, he was always one to just do things that were just just wild. You know, one time he he kicked a baby. Can you imagine kicking a baby? I mean, you know, who does that? But the baby was was immediately healed. Right. Now, there's no Bible that says thou shalt kick a baby, right? You don't, don't, you don't just go, well, he did that. I think I'll try it. Don't try it. Some, some mom or dad's going to kick you after that, you know, no doubt. You don't go kicking babies. But the Lord, you know, it, uh, the Lord instructed him to do that. And so he did that, and the baby was well. Amen. Uh, and one, one time, uh, uh, he, uh, he, he, uh, this one, one fellow was, was in a prayer line and terminally ill. And he went up and just punched him in the stomach as hard as he could and the man fell down on the ground and the doctor that had carried him there because he couldn't get there by himself you know started fussing at smith you know you killed the man he killed him and of course he was uh, uh, had a thick scottish accent you know he died right he died uh, and of course in just a few minutes the man was up running around the church uh, you know now those things there's no bible doctrine that says thou shalt punch somebody in the stomach right so those things you only do as a spirit instructs you to do that uh, and so you know, those, but really you got to look at the results, right? I mean, if he kicked a baby and the baby's well, if he punches somebody and, they're, and they come out fine, then, you know, then praise God. We thank the Lord that the Lord had him. Why did the Lord do it that way? I don't know. You know, there's things that the Lord will do and ask us to do that are odd and different. You know, Jesus did many odd and different things in his ministry. Uh, but uh, really what's important is, did the Lord really lead you to do that? And is it really, uh, did the results come about that, uh, that you were expecting? Amen. And I, I've seen a lot of abuse over the years. You know, I've been, uh, when I got saved, I got saved in the word church, right? In a Pentecostal church. So, uh, and, and so I've been saved now for 40 years, right? Uh, more than 40 years. Uh, and um, I've seen a lot of uh, people, you know, jerk people that in wheelchairs up and nothing happened, right? And I've seen people take crutches off of people and nothing happened. And I've seen... You know, I've seen, a, uh, in fact, I've been pushed down by experts. You ever been pushed down in a prayer line, you know, because they want to have the good, they want to have a good showing that people are falling in the prayer line. So they push it down, right? Uh, and you know, I'm mean enough now, I'm not going to be involved in somebody else's fraud. But uh, I mean, I have fallen out in the spirit many times and have no problem with that. But, you know, to, to be fraudulent and push somebody down intentionally to, to make it look like the spirit of God is moving. You know, that, that's where the Pentecostal church gets a bad name, right? A bad rap. And it's unfortunate those things happen. But we can't remove the reality of the presence of God. We can't remove the reality of the anointing of God that's really, that's real, real. That's really real, right? That uh, we don't want to just throw that away and just become the moose lodge, right? Who want, anybody want to become a moose lodge? You've got to wear funny hats, have secret handshakes, and, you know, do all these uh, odd things. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to have a secret handshake. I don't want to wear funny hats. And, uh, and so I, I want the power of God. I want the real power of God in operation in my life, in, in this ministry, and my desire is for you to have it in your life. There's no reason why you can't have it in your life. So we want to go through the scriptures and, and find out, you know, what does this mean? What, what is the anointing? And, and, um, um, and, and I would, you know, I'd ask you, have, a, have an open heart about it because uh, it's real. It's in the word of God. Many times it talks about it in, many, in Old Testament, New Testament. Uh, and uh, the, the Bible has a lot to say about it. So we should find out what the Bible says about it and then operate according to the word of God. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to, to Mark uh, chapter uh, 16 here, and we'll get started um, in looking at, at some verses here. 
And so we know uh, here in Mark 16 that this is, um, uh, we call it the Great Commission. And uh, he starts out here in verse 15. He says, uh, and he said unto them, so this is Jesus speaking, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And he that believeth not shall, uh, shall be damned. So what's the primary purpose of the church? To go all the world and preach the gospel, right? That's the primary purpose of the church. Is it to pat on each other and say, oh, you're wonderful. No, you're more wonderful than I am. No, no, no really. You're, uh, is that what it is, right? Uh, is it always to, uh, no doubt, we need to help each other as we have difficult times in our life. But is the church only focused on helping each other get out of hard places and get out of uh, issues with uh, in the social realm and the mental realm? And No, the primary purpose of the church is to go out, right? Uh, the, uh, the primary purpose of the church people, the primary purpose of the church structure, the, the physical buildings here, is to teach and instruct. We, we don't have time to go into Ephesians chapter 4, but the purpose of this building purpose of the, of the ministry is to teach and instruct the people about how to go out and win the lost to uh, the kingdom of heaven. That's the primary goal of the whole church, right? That's the primary reason why we exist. So although we have church meals, that's not why we exist. I know that may be a surprise to some people, right? But we don't exist just to have church meals, right? Uh, and we can feed people, right? Sometimes we feed people, but that's not the primary reason why we exist, we can clothe the naked. Uh, that nothing wrong with doing that. Uh, but that's not why we exist. We exist to advance the kingdom of heaven, right? The reason why the church exists on the earth, while we're still here, not in heaven, is so that those that don't know about the Lord can come to know the Lord. Uh, and, and so each and every one of us all have that same commission, right? All of us have the same, the Bible calls it the ministry of reconciliation. Our job as individuals in the church is to tell the world that world, you have been reconciled to God. You have been brought back together by God, by the work of the Lord Jesus. And there's no conflict between you and God on God's side. He dealt with that in the work of the Lord Jesus. That's what, what we have the right and the privilege to do while we're here on this earth. Uh, and so that's what Jesus said. Uh, go ye into all the world. Uh, and and you know, I told you one time someone said, well, you know, you all shouldn't go on mission trips. I said, well, isn't that an odd thing for someone to tell the church you all shouldn't go on mission trips, right? I, I said, well, well, why not? He said, well, it costs too much money. You shouldn't spend money on going on mission trips. I, I'm like, but, uh, uh, did Jesus say go you on to the world unless the price of the plane ticket is too much? Is that what it says? Is that what you, does you have a, do you have a translation like that? I mean, if you do, let me know because I don't have mine doesn't say that, right? And I've got hundreds of translations. I've never read that in there. Uh, but isn't that an odd thing to say? It, it costs too much money to go into all the world, right? Uh, and I've had some people say, well, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go and do mission trips in Europe because, you know, they're, they're civilized and, and um, you know, you're just going on vacation. You know, they don't, need, they don't need the gospel. You need to go to third world country. You know, again, it doesn't say go ye into only uh, poor countries, right? I mean, don't the people in Europe need to know about the Lord, right? Uh, we took a trip to Lat Latvia. You know, they're not exactly uh, the wealthiest country in the world. Uh, and someone said, well, you, should, you just shouldn't have done that. You're wasting money. Really, the youth that we went and, and ministered to for a week didn't think we wasted money by going over there and laying hands on them, preaching the gospel to them. None of them thought we wasted the money to go over there. They were all glad that they heard the gospel. Amen. Uh, and so Jesus had gone to all the world and preached the gospel. To how many creatures? Every creature, right? Not poor creatures, not rich creatures, you know. 
Now, if you only go to rich countries, you know, you probably got to fix that too, don't you, right? I just go wherever I want to go, right? Wherever the Lord leads me to go, that's where I want to go. Uh, he said, uh, and then verse 17, and these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name they shall cast out devils, they shall speak with new tongues, they shall take up serpents, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So part of the gospel is the good news that, uh, that you uh, can cast out devils. Uh, so the good news to the people that have devils is, hey, I can cast a devil out. Wouldn't that be good news? If you had a devil operating in your life, wouldn't that be good news to you that, you can, that somebody else can cast it out for you? That'd be pretty good news, right? Uh, and, and so... Uh, uh, take up serpents, they drink any of the things shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Well, if you were sick, wouldn't, it, wouldn't good news be that, hey, I've come to lay hands on you and to, and to help you recover? That'd be pretty good news, right? That's part of the gospel message is, hey, the Lord loves you enough. He wants to heal your body. That's pretty good news, right? Is that what it says? And yet the, the, these things seem to be controversial in the church. I've never understood why the Bible is controversial at all. You know, to me, as humble servants of the Lord, my job is to read the word of God and say, OK, well, that's what you said. You know, I don't have to I don't have to go. Well, that's not for us today. Well, you know, we don't really want to do that. You know, that makes me uncomfortable. And uh, why do we say aren't we servants of the most high God? Servants means we, we don't really have a choice. Right. Servants mean that we do just what we're told. And what we're told is what the word of God says. Amen. Not what I tell you. It's what the word of God tells me. And so. So these things, uh, in my heart, these things are not even at all controversial, not even a little bit controversial, and yet great wars are fought in the church over some of these things, right? I can't believe you guys do that. You know, and I, and I don't usually respond, but I'm thinking, I can't believe you don't do that. You mean you don't lay hands on the sick and they don't recover? You don't cast out devils? You, no. Now, you know, the taking up serpents, that gets a bad rap, right? How many dumb people go grab a snake and say, look, I can grab a snake, you know, and it's not going to hurt me. Is that what he's talking about? He's not talking about, about tempting the Lord. Uh, uh, and, and I think the Lord knew that that would be a controversial thing. So he gave us an example of exactly what that means at the last chapter in the book of Acts when Paul was, was on the island of Mylita, right, or, or, or Malta. Uh, and he went to gather sticks and there was a serpent in the sticks and it, and it bit him, right? Uh, and then, of course, they all thought, well, you know, uh, it's funny how people's th- thoughts change. Paul gets bit by a snake and all the natives are going... Yeah, see, uh, he survived the shipwreck, but, but uh, God's still going to judge him, and that's how, that's how God judged him. He's going to ha- let him get bit by a snake, and, you know, he can't get away from, from judgment. He's still going to die. And, of course, then he didn't die, and they go, he must be a god. Uh, you know, just five seconds before you were judging him as being some terrible person, that's why he got bit. You ever seen uh, bad things happen to good people, and, and other people go, sowing and reaping right there. Yeah, uh, it, it's, it, it's just, uh, uh, that's karma. Right, that they finally get, it's finally caught up with them, right? Well, you know, sometimes it just happens because it happens, right? It's not because they, they, they've done anything wrong. Paul hadn't done anything wrong. He's on his way to, to Rome according to the will of God. Uh, and so, so he was bit by a serpent, uh, and, he, and he survived just fine, right? Uh, but there are, in fact, I had one person, you know, sometimes people are just kind of dumb. They, they knew what kind of church we were. And if his first question was, so do you all, you all handle snakes? That was the first question. It's like, that's really a dumb question, right? I mean, you know, uh, uh, do we handle snakes? No, snakes are best on shoes and boots, you know, and, and uh, if, they're, if they're harmless snakes, you know, let them eat all the rats in the, in the garden, you know, uh, just leave them alone, right? And I just gen- I generally leave everything alone unless it wants to, you know, uh, violate uh, 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 my, my life, right? Uh, and so, um, no, we don't handle snakes. That's absurd, right? But see, that's the kind of things that, 
gets the anointing a bad rap. Well, we're going to be snake handled. And there's still people do it today, right? I mean, I mean, right now, you know, there's churches today that, you know, they'll go grab a poisonous snake and hold it up. You know, look at that. And, I mean, how dumb can people be, right? People just, they, they, uh, they try to replace the real move of God with sensationalism and to be uh, Hollywood and, you know, to be uh, 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 all theater, right? Uh, instead of actually allowing the presence of God to do what he said, which is to win people to the law, to the Lord, right? That's what he's trying to do is win people to the Lord by delivering them and, and uh, healing them and showing them how good God is. Uh, you know, if you heal somebody's child by the power of God, wouldn't the parents love to find out more about the Lord? Uh, wouldn't they? I mean, because they, they would know, hey, this, whoever this God is, he loves my child enough to heal him. Wouldn't that motivate people? Uh, and, you know, uh, one minister said many years ago that uh, the power of God is the dinner bell uh, for the lost. Because many times Jesus would go and, and uh, before he had ever preached to him, he'd go and raise a few people from the dead or heal a bunch of people. And then he would preach to him. Right. Sometimes it'd be the other way around. But a lot of times he'd go and start out. Hey, let's just show you how good God is. And go heal a bunch of people uh, and, and maybe feed 5,000 people and then preach to them, right? Uh, you know, you get fed. And of course, later on, a bunch of them are following him. And Jesus said, you know, you're just following me for food, you know, because uh, sometimes, you know, people don't want to hear anything spiritual. They just you know, want more food. And Jesus kind of called them on the carpet. Hey, you just want more food. You know, I'm not, I'm not your food provider. You know, uh, uh, they're, they're, I'm here to help you get to heaven. Amen. Uh, and so... Uh, but then he went on after he said these things, after he gave the great commission, he said, so then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. And they went forth, the ones that he just told to, right, and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming, confirming the word with signs following. Uh, and then uh, turn over to First Corinthians chapter three, because there's a point I want to make here in these two verses, First uh, Corinthians chapter three and um, uh, Mark sixteen twenty here. And so 1 Corinthians chapter th uh, 3, it says in verse 9, it says, For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. So both in uh, Mark chapter 16 and verse 20 and here in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, it says we are laborers together what? With God. And the with God is the whole deal, right? That's the whole deal of how we as the church are supposed to be operating in the earth, operating together with God. Now, we know that we are servants of God. We work for him, but we don't just work for him. We work with him. We work really for the father in heaven, but we work with the spirit of God on the earth. And that part of working with him is all about the anointing of God. Uh, and that is the part that the church has probably missed more than anything else in the word of God is we have all worked for him but very few of the church have worked with him. Uh, we have all been servants of God. Uh, but many people have no concept of what it means to work with God. And yet here he told us in both in Mark 16 and in 1 Corinthians that we're supposed to work with him. So if we're working with him, you ever worked with somebody? You ever worked with somebody and they weren't there? That means you're not really working with them, right? Uh, you know, when I was in high school, uh, one, uh, one of my first jobs uh, was uh, I, I was... A, worked in the shoe department of Walmart, a glorious job, right? Uh, and so, uh, you know, you get all these people come in there and, and they said, hey, 
these shoes are no count. You know, I want a re replacement. Well, when did you buy them? A year ago. Well, they got a thousand miles on them, you know. I mean, you know, and the manager likes to give it to them. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it was, uh, and of course, you know, I have, a, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for retail people because you can imagine after a whole day what a shoe department looks like, right? Uh, people try them on, and they don't understand that if you take them out of the box, you should put them back in the box, right? If you're not going to buy them, just put them back in the box. And so that concept, you know, wasn't taught in kindergarten, so most people don't really understand that. So they just take them out of the box, and just they're everywhere, right? So now you're hunting down shoe pairs, and, you know, you got to put them back in the box, and, and then, you know, all that stuff comes out of the boxes, so there's stuff all over the ground, right, everywhere. And so my job after, at closing, because there was, used to be a time that Walmart closed, right? They used to close at 9 p.m. Everybody remember those days, right? Uh, now it's just, you know, they're open 24 hours a day, but back in the day, they'd close at nine o'clock. So after closing, then you'd have to vacuum everything, put everything up. And so, so there was another, uh, so it was me and one other girl that would work in that department. So we're supposed to be working together, right? With, with each other. Well, as soon as the manager would leave then she would just do nothing, you know, that was before cell phones, right? So I don't even know what she would do. She'd just disappear and wait till I got everything cleaned up. Wait till I got everything vacuumed or got everything put all together. And then she kind of show up and say, clock out. Pretty sweet deal if you can get it, right? Pretty good job if you can get a job that you don't actually have to do anything. And so I just thought, well, you know, one time I'm just going to not do my part because she's not doing her part. So I just walked out the door one night. I mean, it looked like a bomb had gone off. And it was so bad that the manager of the store, so not the department manager, but the store manager, he went and took photographs. That's how bad it was. He said, this, is, look how, this looks disgusting. Look how terrible this is, right? And uh, so my boss called me in her office and she, you know, what's up? I said, well, I just, you know, just going to do the same thing that my helper does, which is nothing, right? Uh, and, um, and she nearly fired me. She said, well, you know, I, I can't fire you because you're a good worker, you know. Uh, but she got fired and, uh, and I wasn't trying to get her fired, you know. It was just, it just, of course, I was a kid, you know, and, and uh, I've grown since then, you know. But, uh, uh, but it was still kind of funny uh, back then. So she was supposed to be working with me, but she wasn't doing anything, right? Uh, and, um, uh, and, you know, even in the church today, uh, you know, if you're a child of God, who lives on the inside of you? The Holy Spirit lives on the inside of you right now, right? Well, what does the Holy Spirit, what's, he, what's the history of the Holy Spirit? Well, if you go through the Bible, anytime that the power of God was manifested to do something, that was really the ministry of the Holy Spirit, right? So, they, so you know, it's, we know God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, but they all have a tendency to do certain things in the Bible, right? So the, the overall design of everything is always in the Father's heart, right, in his mind. And then Jesus is the one who's kind of the administrator of everything. He makes sure it all gets done. But the power that actually gets it done is the Holy Spirit. So all of creation that you see, when God said, let there be light, it was the Holy Spirit who actually did the power of that that caused light to exist. Because I don't know how that happens, but the, it's the power of God. So the very power that, that created all of the universe lives inside of you right now, right? And, that, and that's why God was saying that we are laborers together with him. We labor together with the spirit of God that's on the inside of me right now. And how powerful is that spirit? I mean, it created everything that you see by words. Right? He didn't have a manufacturing line with, okay, bring all the atoms here, you know, okay, we need one electron, two protons, you know, a couple, you know, uh, 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 electrons, we got electrons, neutrons, protons, right? And that's everything in the, in the universe made out of those three things. It's pretty good ingredients, right? Just those three things, protons, uh, neutrons, electrons, everything that's in existence made of those three things. And so, the, you know, they didn't have a production line of going, okay, I need two of these, one of those, and okay, now we got one atom of, of iron, right? We got one atom of helium. 
Uh, you think it'd take a long time for a production line like that. No, he just spoke it in existence. And somehow, by the power of, of God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, all of those things were created. That power lives inside of you right now, everywhere you go. You go to Walmart, it's there, right? You go to the gas station, it's there. Uh, you know, you go places even you shouldn't be. It's still there, right? Now, he may not manifest himself for you for somewhere you not be, but he's still there because he's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. So that power lives on the inside of you. Seems like we should learn how to work with that power. That is the whole deal of the church. That's why we exist. That's why we are different than every other organization in the, in the world because we work together with the supernatural, spectacular power of God. That's how we're supposed to work. It doesn't have to be weird and, and you know, you don't have to do these crazy wild things, you know. But again, it doesn't bother me to see crazy wild things because every now and then those crazy wild things are real, right? Uh, it doesn't bother me a bit, you know. But some people, they're, they're so, they're so uh, the value of their uh, personal stance in the community and uh, their reputation, that, that uh, thought of those things is more valuable to them than the power of God. So they'll throw out the whole use of working with the power of God to avoid any thoughts that somebody might think, oh, you're one of those crazy people. You know, I got no problem people thinking I'm crazy. Remember, I mean, how many times did I go to Jesus? You're casting out the devil by Beelzebub. Didn't they think he was crazy? How many times did they pick up stones to kill him? Didn't they think he was crazy? Uh, I mean, when he said, I'm anointed to do these things. Is this day, is this scripture fulfilled in your ears? And they took up stones to kill him. Because he's just talking about being anointed. Uh, and, and so, yeah, it does get a bad rap. It, it got a bad rap when Jesus was on the earth. It, it's gotten a bad rap in the centuries of the church. But, you know, the thing that, that, that uh, I always want to make sure is, even if it's got a bad, I still, is there truth in that, right? You know, there are small wars in the church fought over the whole doctrine of, of healing, over the whole doctrine of prosperity, and yet, is there truth to both of those doctrines in the Word of God? 100%, absolutely. I mean, you know, in fact, we teach healing school every Sunday at 3 p.m. Have done it for many years. Hundreds and hundreds of verses or hundreds and hundreds of messages on healing, right? Every single week uh, since 2015. And there's not a single controversial thing in the Word of God about healing. And yet, is there controversy about the topic of healing in the church? There is. But who do you think's got the most to gain by removing the power of healing out of the church? Well, it would have to be the devil, right? I mean, the, the Lord is all for it because he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. He said, I am that. He said, it's not what I do, it's who I am. He's, he declared that I am Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who healeth thee. So that should not be a controversial thing. And yet in the church, it's a controversial thing, right? Um, the, the power of God. Uh, he spoke all things into existence by the power of God. And yet, in the church, that's a controversial topic, the power of God, right? It shouldn't be a controversial topic, but it's a controversial topic. It's not controversial to me. Uh, if, someone thinks I'm, if someone wants to think I'm crazy, I got no reputation, so I had no reputation before they thought I was crazy. I have no reputation after they think I'm crazy. So if they think I'm crazy, it doesn't change me at all, right? But some people, it would really bother them to, to, uh, to have somebody think, oh, you're one of those crazy people. Do you, you flop around on the floor and, 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 and swing from the chandeliers? And well, not, not today, but I'm planning on it, you know. Uh, that'd make them really scared then if you do that, right? Uh, and, and I remember, you know, we've taught just, you know, we've taught a lot about a lot of things about the devil and things like that. Some people get so nervous. Hey, here's what the Bible said about the devil. <gasps> You're one of those churches. 
I'm just reading the Bible. I mean, literally just reading the Bible, right? And, and then just get, you know, get all nervous about these things. Like, well, why are you nervous about it? Is it the Word of God? If it's in the Word of God, we should never be nervous about it. Amen. And yet people, because of their past or because... You know, it's usually the people that want to be all fancy or whatever. I don't know what it, I, you know, I don't understand it. You know, when I got saved, I got saved. And I got saved. I was like, okay, Lord, I want it all. I, I don't had no idea what all was, but I wanted everything the Lord had for me. Uh, and so, so uh, he said that we are laborers together with him. So, so it's the anointing is, is the part when he says we are laborers together with him. The part that's with him is how we work with the anointing. Uh, and, and that's the part that we need to understand how that operates because all of us as members of the body of Christ have the capacity to work with the anointing of God every single day. And the anointing of God, we need to understand what that is. What does that mean? How does that, how does that work in our lives? What does the Bible say about it? And so that's, that's really what we want to we, we uh, get to. And so are we ever in any hurry around here? We're never in any hurry, right? Uh, and so... Uh, we're going to look at a few verses, and of course, uh, we don't have a lot of time to uh, get into it uh, today. We just want to have an introduction here, because, uh, you know, I want to encourage you, have an open heart about this. You know, it has been a topic that uh, has uh, uh, been, um, uh, had a lot of controversy in the church. And like I said, I have been in the Pentecostal church since day one, and I have seen a lot of abuses of the anointing. You know, I've had many people say to me, over the years, well, I don't want many, but I've had several people say over the years, well, the Lord said this to me about you. So they're saying that the anointing told them something about me. And so before they said it, I'm thinking, well, that's odd. I've never known God to be a gossip. You ever known God to be a gossip? You know, when somebody's talking about you, that they're a gossip, right? Uh, well, he told me that about you, you know. And then they'll tell me something it's like, well, I wasn't even there. Well, you did this. Well, I wasn't there. So how could the Lord have told them, uh, well, maybe, maybe he was wrong. Reckon the Lord was wrong when he told them that? I, I thought you were there. I'm, I'm sorry I was wrong. I didn't mean to tell my other servant that you were actually there. You know, has the Lord ever been wrong? The Lord's never been wrong. So, you know, I've seen a lot of abuses, you know, in the area of the anointing. But I'm not going to throw it out because of some people have done things wrong with it. I'm not going to throw out the doctrine of healing because some people have misused it. I'm not going to throw out the doctrine of prosperity because some people have misused it. Amen? Prosperity is probably the most misused doctrine in all of the word of God, I believe, you know, that and the anointing are pretty close, I think, uh, because the anointing, people are drawn to the anointing. You know, people, Jesus would have thousands of people come to him because of the anointing, uh, because he was going to get things uh, done, right? Do things that nobody else has ever done. Uh, how many people had come before Jesus in the name of the Lord? Nobody ever was like Jesus. That's what got the whole, uh, 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 that's what got all of the leadership in uh, the Jewish nation all tore up because suddenly a man, you know, we've never seen it like this. How many times people say that? We've never seen it like that before. And they got all the, in fact, the, the nation of Israel, uh, the, the Jewish leaders said, we've got to get rid of him because if, if he keeps on, the, Jew, the, the Romans are going to come and take away our position. They could care less about the, being the, the owners of the covenant of God. They were concerned about their position in society with the Roman government. Uh, and how many people in the church today are concerned about their position in, in society, right? Well, we don't want to be the respectable church. I have no goal to be the respectable church. I have no goal to be the disrespectable church, right? Uh, that's not even a consideration. It, neither one is a consideration because some people will go the other extreme. Well, we want to be the wild church. Well, that's the wrong, just as wrong as wanting to be the not wild church, right? 
If you want to be the, I want to be the wild church where, you know, we swing from the chandeliers. Why is that a goal? I mean, I want to be the church where people are helped, where people, you know, lives are improved, where the, the gospel is preached and people come to know the kingdom of heaven. And if they're not born again, get born again. If they are born again, uh, get more of the power of God. That's the church I want to, because that's what the Bible says. Go into all the world and preach the gospel, right? I, you know, I'm, my goal is not to just be uh, fanatical just for the sake of being fanatical. Uh, but many people will call anything related to the power of God fanatical, which of course is not. But, uh, but over here in, um, uh, in Psalm 92, and we'll have to go here in just a minute. Over in Psalm 92, uh, he says in verse 10, he says, but my horn shall thou exalt like the horn of a unicorn. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. Uh, and so what we find uh, in the word of God is that oil is always a type of the Holy Spirit, right? It's a type in a shadow. It represents uh, what the Holy Spirit is doing in the unseen realm by using something in the seen realm, which is oil, right? So a lot of times it's oil. Uh, you know, I've had, I've had people come to me and say, well, you know, uh, Generally speaking, you know, you use olive oil, but it wasn't olive oil. It was a special secret sauce oil, you know, that, that you, because olive is not going to work with olive oil. And I'm thinking, it's just, it's just oil, right? It, it doesn't, I mean, I'm pretty sure that 10W30 would be sufficient if that's all you had, right? If you had to know somebody with oil, you know, I remember my pastors, they, they were stuck. They couldn't find it. They, they used campofanite, right? And uh, it's like you put it on, burns everything, right? And you just, you know, that's all they had. And the Lord still, you know, it's like, well, that's all they got, you know, because it's, it's, it's just a, a something that stands in the place in the natural realm that you can see that represents the unseen realm. Amen. Uh, and whether it's, it's olive oil from special olives in, in, in Jerusalem, you know, I don't think it really matters. It, what matters is your faith is in the power of God. Amen. And so uh, he's going to be anointed with a fresh oil. And so if you look at the history of the anointing of, of God in the Old Testament, what you find is that there are only three classes of people that were, generally speaking, were ever anointed. And that was a prophet, priest, and king. And oftentimes they were anointed in the natural realm to represent what they were, uh, how they were anointed in the spiritual realm. So oftentimes, remember David uh, was anointed. Remember Saul was anointed, right? King, many of the kings were anointed with oil, right? Uh, and it represented that the Spirit of God has come upon them for service, a special service that was above and beyond their peers, right? Above and beyond just what regular folks had. So in the Old Covenant, the anointing of God was, was for the, there were on occasion other people, but for the most part, it was limited to those three folks, right? To those three classes of people, the prophet, the priest, and the king. And so if you needed the anointing operating in your life, you had to go find one of these guys. Hey, is there a prophet around, right? I need a prophet. Just one. Anyone do, right? Um, is there a king around? Is there is there a priest around? Uh, and so if you as a as a although you could be a covenant member of the house of Israel, you, you didn't have the anointing available to you uh, as a general rule. And of course, then then when we move over into uh, the New Testament, then things have changed. Right. So so David had said that uh, you're going to anoint me with fresh oil. And David really did operate in all three of those roles, prophet, priest and king, primarily king. But he did operate as a prophet. He, he wrote many prophetic uh, Psalms and and he did operate as a priest, uh, offering offerings to the Lord many times, and so uh, he he did he was a type of the Lord Jesus in that regards that uh, he operated in all three of those, uh, and so what we want to find out is how do these anointings work, uh, uh, you know what does it even mean, and uh, and 
the nice thing about the New Testament is that as children of God in the New Testament, all of us have the Holy Spirit, right? Sometimes ministers like to only use Old Testament examples and kind of imply that, well, only the people in the pulpit are anointed, right? Only the people in the pulpit are special. All of you little peons, you know, you have to come to me to get everything, right? Now, they don't really say it that way because it would be disrespectful, but, um, but we live in the New Testament, right? The, the minister has a role, called of God, right? Separated by God. But all of us have a role in the body of Christ. All of us have the Spirit of God in us. Amen? Uh, now, that doesn't mean you can just do away with the, with the ministry because who set the ministry in the church? Well, the Lord Jesus did, right? As the head of the church, he set the, the fivefold ministry, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher in the church uh, to perfect the church, right? That's what he said in Ephesians 4.11. So you can't just get rid of them because God, the Lord Jesus himself, established them. So we all have a part to play. And, and it's really, if we could learn that in the body of Christ in the New Testament, that we all have a part to play, and I can appreciate your part, you can appreciate my part, and then together we'll get the job done. Uh, when we start you know, trying to jockey for position and say, well, my part's more important than your part. Uh, well, you know, I mean, you may think that your hands are more important to your foot than your feet, but just try having no feet. Then what are you going to wish for more than anything? Have some feet, right? Even though your hands, I mean, you know, I don't eat with my feet. You know, people don't have no hands. They do eat with their feet, right? They're amazingly uh, uh, flexible to do that. But, you know, if you're missing something, uh, that's the very thing you want more than anything, right? You may think your seeing is more important than your ears, but just try being deaf. Then what do you want more than anything? To be able to hear, right? So everybody has a part to play. And if we can learn that, see, from my perspective as a minister, I know you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. That makes me... Not fearful, but makes me cautious to make sure that whatever I, I'm going to say, I believe with all my heart that it's what the Lord wants to say. Because the Spirit of God in you should bear witness of, with the things that I say. See, that's the way it's supposed to work in the New Testament. It's not just, well, I said it, you have to receive it. No, that's not how it works. If I say it, the Spirit of God in you must first confirm that what I've said is accurate and correct. And then you receive it, right? Uh, if the Spirit of God says, then what do you do? You just set that aside, right? And hopefully the weight of those things are less than the weight of the things that are said that are correct, right? Uh, and so, uh, so what we want to do is, is find out, you know, how does the anointing work uh, in the lives of the Christian, right? And so we have to go back in some of the Old Testament because there's some good examples in the Old Testament that, that foreshadow how the whole church can work today, amen? Uh, and so we'll take our time uh, in the topic there, as we always do, right? We're never in a hurry to get anything done. Uh, uh, is there a race anywhere? We've got to be somewhere, right? I mean, you know, you just, we'll just, that's one thing I, I, like, I love about being a, a pastor. If you're traveling ministry, you got one shot, right? You got to cram everything into one, one hour, right? Man, it'd be tough, right? I mean, you know, I'd, I'd be like Paul and preach all the way to midnight, you know, and people falling out of the windows asleep. And, uh, and so we'd have to figure out how to do that, right? But, uh, but the, the thing I like about the church is we can take our time and find out what the Word of God says uh, and make sure we have a good, solid foundation in these things. And don't have to be controversial and, and just say things. We find out what the Word of God says. Amen. And so let's pray and thank the Lord for His Word today. So, Father, we thank You for the Word of God. And, Father, we thank You for the blessings that You've given to us. We thank You, Father, that You speak to us, that You remind us each and every day that You love us and care deeply for us. So, Father, we thank You for that. And, Lord, as we, as we study what Your Word says about the anointing, we ask You for revelation and insight that You would teach us, Father, that the Spirit of God would reveal Himself in how the anointing works, in how we're supposed to work with him. 
uh, to accomplish the great commission upon the earth. And so, Lord, we thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the honor for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive uh, this morning's tithes and offerings. And, you know, uh, of, of, of all the ministers, you know, um, my, my, uh, my opinion, of course, it's an opinion, but my opinion is that uh, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen, had more to, knew more about the anointing of God and working with the Spirit of God probably than any other minister. And, and so he taught a lot about that in the church. And, um, and so uh, I think he's got some of the best material uh, on that area uh, of teaching in that area. Amen. Uh, because there wasn't really a lot of teaching in that area uh, until Brother Hagen put some material down for, for our benefit there. So um, well, come ahead, Mr. Jared, and we'll receive the offering today. And so don't forget, we have healing school this afternoon at uh, 3 o'clock. And then uh, also don't forget the tomatoes back there in the kitchen, right? Uh, just uh, help yourself to those. And um, I think Chris likes tomato, tomato and uh, tomato and egg biscuit. Is that a thing, right? Tomato and egg biscuits, right? Um, seems a little fishy to me, but, um, uh, but, but she likes tomato and egg biscuits there. And so uh, she was raised in the South. I'm not sure if those things are legal up north, right? You ever had a tomato and egg biscuit from New York? Is that a, is, is he, see right there. You ever had a tomato? See, see right there. We got a two a northerners here, right? So uh, we'll stick together, right? We'll eat normal food, whatever that is, right? Uh, but they're back there, and so help yourself to those. Don't forget, uh, we have prayer service uh, Friday at 7 p.m. All right, y'all have a wonderful week, Lord, and uh, you're dismissed.